With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hey, warm up from the low. Welcome to Lumpy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, Jared Smith. He does a tremendous job here at VEASAN. He also does a nice job of live on the line. I know that he also does some good work with Fox Sports Radio as well. He's joining me in segment number two. We're going to be looking at a few different things. We are going to be taking a look at how he's been viewing the no-run, yes-run first inning market thus far this season. As as we are going to be saying in the podcast, it has been topsy-turvy with that, to say the least. We're also going to be diving in on the Yankees' collapses recently, teams that he felt like were winners and losers at the trade deadline. Just looking at the futures market in general, now that the trade deadline has come to pass and gauging schedules with regards to some of those futures, and so much more. So we're going to have a great chat there in segment number two. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jaden underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Thursday. And got a little bit of cleanup from the late Wednesday board as well, as I do have to do this before the Greg Peterson experience on VSIM, which that is now from midnight to 3 Eastern time. That is 9 to midnight Pacific, so typically I'm recording this recap right around about 10, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern. So let's take a look back at what we all got, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The best home over team in baseball is the Texas Rangers, and they played one on Wednesday that ended up being 11-1, but they were unable to get through it over on Thursday in the debut of Max Scherzer with the Texas Rangers, but they did get the win. 5-3 the final. Scherzer, nine strikeouts in his debut. to give up three runs over the course of six innings, but Josh Boris, Will Smith, Aroldis Chapman had his back with a squirrel setting, and so did the offense as you got Corey Seager back full now. Actually went 0-4 in this game, but Marcus Simeon, 17th home run season. Mitch Garver, his seventh. Those both come off of Tuki Dusan, who gives up four runs in five and a third innings. Aaron Bummer from there did not live up to his name, wanted two-thirds innings squirrels, but Gregory Santos, 
He gives up a run in an inning, so that was a bit of a bummer for the Chicago White Sox. You saw the Mets lose by a count of 4-0 to on Wednesday. The game was going final as I did this podcast yesterday, and then on Thursday, they followed that up with a 9-2 L. As for the Mets, Carlos Cookie Carrasco gets destroyed, giving up six runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of home runs. Drew Waters, sixth home run season. Bobby Wood Jr. is really hot, by the way. 19th home run season, and then Brady Singer, he did have the Mets singing the blues. Eight scoreless innings before John Easley gives up two runs over the course of his inning work for the Mets. You had Jordan Walker give up three runs, two of which were earned in his third of an inning. John Curtis with two S's provides a scoreless inning, and you were able to get a pair of us out of a position player in Danny Mendick. That's where the Mets are at right now. Boy, that has been a rough season, and that was one that was not so terrific, to say the least. The San Francisco Giants were able to win late Wednesday and early on Thursday in a pair of pretty thrilling games. The game for Wednesday, that ended up being a 4-2 final. And the game for Thursday, 1-0 with Brandon Fott actually giving you a really good effort. We'll get into that in a second. But the game from Wednesday, you had the MLB debut of Slade Sacconi, who gave up two runs in four two-thirds innings. Tyler Gilbert from there gives up two runs in his inning of work before Scott McGough, Joe Mantiply. They're able to give you combined two and a third inning scoreless, but just flat out nothing to him for the Arizona Diamondbacks with regards to their bats. Logan Webb gives up two runs over the course of seven innings before you have Camille Duvall come in for a scoreless inning, and one of our favorite Rodgers, Tyler Rodgers, he was in the neighborhood for a scoreless setting, and then it was a 1-0 final on Thursday, as I alluded to before. Got a really good start out of Brandon Fott. He gave up one run over the course of seven innings. That one run, a solo run to Lamonte Wade Jr. That was his 11th home run in the campaign, but he was able to do his part. By the way, the Giants with those two unders, they have now played 61.8% of their home games to the under thus far this season, and for the Giants, it was a piecemeal effort for them to be able to get it done. Scott Alexander, you had Camille Duvall, both give you a scoreless setting as Tristan Beck, the bulk guy. He goes four scoreless settings. The other Rodgers, Taylor Rodgers, led to scoreless setting as Sean Manet along with Luke Jackson. They combined for two scoreless settings as well as you saw a grand total of eight hits in this game and only two came off the bat of the San Francisco Giants. For the LA Dodgers, they just completely pummeled the Oakland A's on Wednesday. That was by a count of 10 to 1 as of right now. The Thursday game is yet to get going. I'd be surprised if you see any positivity from the Oakland A's in that one. I'll brush up on that tomorrow. But in terms of the 10-1 to victory that you had for the Dodgers, it was just a case where the Oakland A's got nothing whatsoever out of Hogan Harris. He was not Hogan's hero as he gave up three home runs in that span as Jason Hayward took him deep. 11th home run season. Mookie Betts, he's able to get a home run number 29 of the season. And it is to the point where you had a home run number one for Miguel Rojas. As for the LA Dodgers, good performance out of Tony Gonsolin. He gave up a solo home run over the course of five innings. Jay Langelaires was able to get his 11th home run season. Yancy Almonte, two scoreless innings. Alex Vesia, Ryan Brazier, they all end a scoreless setting. And hey, if you're looking for something encouraging, his bullpen wasn't terrible as Anel Felipe was able to give you a scoreless setting. Austin Pruitt, two scoreless innings. And Kirby Sneed, Lucas Ursej, they... Both give up a run in their ending of work. Then on Thursday, our DK Network write-up pick gets back on track. We're now 9-2 and two in our last 11 of these. 11-3 and three in my last 14, so we're going to look to keep it going. Had the Brewers on the money line, and this was never a sweat. 14-1 the finalists. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mitch Keller gets destroyed. Eight runs surrendered in the course of five innings. As 
He allowed a home run to Bryce Terang. Fifth home run season. Sal Freelich was able to go deep as well. That comes off of Jose Hernandez, his second home run season. For Hernandez, he gives up three runs in his inning work. Dory Moretta gives up three runs in his inning work. Colin Holderman, he lived up to his name, was able to lend a scoreless inning for the Milwaukee Brewers. Adrian Houser gave up a run in the first inning, and that's all he'd give up in six innings. J.C. Mejia, two scoreless innings. Andrew Chafin, newest Brewer, he was able to go for a scoreless inning. So... That made me very happy on Thursday, and the Philadelphia Phillies and Michael Lorenzen were very happy on Thursday. They get a 4-2 win over the Miami Marlins for the Fish. They just were unable to get to Lorenzen. Two runs surrendered over the course of eight innings. They did get a home run off the bat of Brian De La Cruz, 15th home run season, and for Johnny Cueta, clearly an older gentleman giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including home run to JT Riumito. His 13th home run season, Trey Turner, Continues to uh, not turn it around. He went 0-3 in this game, but A.J. Puck was able to give you a scoreless inning for the Miami Marlins. Devin Smeltzer was able to go for two scoreless as well as you also had Sir Anthony Dominguez. Close it out for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was able to turn a scoreless inning of his own. The uh, debut of Captain Jack Flaherty went well for Baltimore as well. 6-1, they're able to get the W. For Flaherty, he was throwing 97 in the first inning. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. Danny Colomb, Yanir Cano, Mike Bauman all lend a scoreless inning. For the Orioles, they did strand 11 men on base. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, it was Kevin Gosman who just kept giving up a bunch of contact. Four and a third innings, he allows three runs. Thomas Hatch from there gives up three runs, two of which were earned in his two and a third innings. Bowden Francis was able to give you one and a third inning. Scoreless Genesis Cabrera, scoreless inning as well. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, all of a sudden, this offense just has not been able to do much whatsoever. Boba Shed, after he got injured earlier in the series, he has been placed on the injured list. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been one of the best home under teams in all of baseball. 64% of their games have went under the total. And for the Blue Jays, they've outscored four runs or fewer in six out of their last seven games. So a little bit of a less than savory performance there. This was also a less than savory performance. This is one that is wrapping up right now. The Minnesota Twins up by a count of 5-2 going into the bottom of the ninth against the St. Louis Cardinals. As for Minnesota, Sonny Gray was able to turn a very good start. Gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Did give up a home run to Alec Burleson. Eighth home run season. And Matthew Libertor, once again, just not ready for the big leagues. Five runs rendered in five and two-thirds innings. Michael A. Taylor takes some deep 13th home run season. Ryan Jeffers, sixth home run season. From there, Zach Thompson, James Nele were both able to give you a scoreless setting. And Drew Verhagen, one and a third inning scoreless. For Minnesota, Griffin Jacks was able to give you a scoreless setting. And now it's up to Johan Duran to not blow this three-run lead or else that'd be pretty deplorable. Mariners and Angels just getting going as well. That game is in the second inning, so we're going to need to clean that one up on the podcast tomorrow. And the Astros, they fall to the New York Yankees by a count of 4-3 to three as for the New York Yankees, they were able to get some relatively good starting pitching in this one as they had Clark Schmidt go out there, gave up two runs over the course of five innings. I believe he's now giving up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts since the beginning of the month of May, and they were able to get a little bit of boom power as well off of Christian Javier as John Carlos San gets his 16th home run season. Billy McKinney gets his sixth as for Javier, gives up those two home runs. Three runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Kendall Graveman, one and a third innings. He allows one run in the process. Rafael Montero, Phil Maton, they were both able to give you a scoreless inning. And then for the New York Yankees, you had Juani Peralta give up a run in his third of an inning. That was a solo home run to uh, Kyle Tucker, 19th home run season. One and two-thirds innings from there out of Michael King, the King scoreless, Tommy Canley, and Clay Holmes from there. They were able to close the game out, being able to get scoreless innings of their own end. 
for the Cubs. We saw them score a grand total of 36 runs in their previous two games, most for the franchise in a two-game span since 1897. Currently, as I do this, they're currently leading by a count of 42 in the seventh inning. Doesn't look like they're going to quite get there, but they did get to Luke Weaver. Weaver gave up four runs over the course of three innings. He has been atrocious thus far this year for the Cincinnati Reds. From there, Sam Mullen and Duarte has been able to sum the tide with three scoreless innings, and you did see Ellie De La Cruz be able to get his eighth home run season. Nice tank shot off of James Zatayan, which that's really the low mistake he's made, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Mark Leiter, Jr., Julian Merriweather from there have to this point been able to complete two scoreless innings, so we shall see if we get anything earth-shattering there, and I will let you know on the podcast that is up tomorrow if there is anything else that happens there. But if you're taking a look overall trend-wise at what we're seeing in Major League Baseball, Unders have really been able to come to the forefront. Overall for the season, we're seeing the under rate hit at 50.8%, 792 unders to 768 overs. Meanwhile, favorites, they continue to be right around 58.3% on the money line. They're currently at 941 at 674, but we have seen these favorites struggle on the run line. 243 in total of those teams that have been able to win outright have failed to cover the run line. If you're looking at the last 30 days, the underrated Major League Baseball is right around 53.7%, 176 unders to 152 overs with a few games for Thursday still in the balance. Favorites in this time span over the last 30 days, they at about 59%, 201 and 139, but we have seen 56 of those favorites fail to cover the run line. And if you're looking at the last seven days, favorites are starting to pick up some steam, 52 and 37 with all but nine of those favorites being able to cover the run line. And in this span, 52 unders to 36 overs. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we all got on the MLB card for Thursday. Coming up next, we talked to Jared Smith about yes run, no run first inning, and all that that has been entailing thus far this season. The Yankees struggles, teams that were able to fortify themselves at the trade deadline, and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, as Jared Smith. He does absolutely tremendous work here at Visa, taking a look at the game that we all know and love of baseball. I know that he's doing so much good work on the drill run. Yes, run first inning prop market. I know on top of that, he is getting set for football. He does great work with a lot of our weekend coverage here at VSIN. I know that he as well does an amazing job just taking a look at so many things with regards to the futures front as well. So we're going to have a nice wide-ranging chat here as to be able to follow Jared on Twitter. That is at Jared Lee Smith all together. And Jared, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. I appreciate it, Greg. We're starting to reach that 
real tipping point of baseball season where each game really, you could start to feel a little bit, the intensity of each game ratchet up a little bit as we kind of inch towards the postseason. Oh, it is getting to a fever pitch with regards to baseball as we've got about a two-month mad dash to the playoffs. And we did see quite a few interesting moves happen at the trade deadline. And question to you is, because I know you've done a great job on the front of finding a little bit of value in the futures market, are there any teams that, with regards that they did make at the trade deadline, that you're either stock up or stock down on? Well, I think it's hard not to be stock up on what the two Texas teams did, the Rangers and the Astros. I mean, they each kind of, you know, plucked an ace from Steve Cullen's pocketbook there. And, you know, Steve's going to be picking up a lot of the check, especially on Verlander and his contract next year. But I do think Houston and Texas took a nice step forward. I'll be honest, though, to me, those two teams were kind of leaking water a little bit. Maybe not Houston as much because Houston was getting back a couple of their guys. Altuve and Alvarez have kind of perked up a little bit. But I'm not as high on Houston's bullpen as I've been in prior years. And I think Texas's offense was regressing a little bit. They got a little bit of a boost recently with Corey Seager coming back from injury. And sometimes it's not about who you bring in from other teams. Sometimes it's just about getting your own guys healthy. I think Houston and Texas have done a good job of that. But really the team that I don't even know if you can call them a dark horse anymore, maybe around the time that I bet them or started to think about betting them, they were still a dark horse. And that's the Baltimore Orioles. I love what they did picking up Jack Flaherty. He pitched a great game. They won a series in Toronto. It looks like they've got enough in the tank to hold off Tampa Bay in the East. I don't know if they can, but I think they've got enough to do it. And if they do, you get that team into the divisional series, you avoid the wild card round. And right now they're being priced as, probably the third or fourth team in the American League where they might finish with the best record in the AL. So I think Baltimore, maybe not as much value as a couple weeks ago, but I'm very high on the Orioles. And and that's a big futures bet that I have in my portfolio. And if Jack Flaherty can pitch the way that he did on Thursday, he might be the steal of the trade deadline, in my opinion. So right on there. And I do think that that is going to be a very interesting race. And I also think a race of intrigue is one that has been much puzzle size as well. That'd be the National League Central because you've got the Brewers and the Reds who have been going neck and neck, but we saw the Cubs be able to win that series against the Cincinnati Reds here earlier in the week. Now they do have to play host the Atlanta Braves this weekend. That's a little bit of an issue, but what is your thoughts on the NL Central right now? Because we did see the Brewers pick up a few bats at the deadline, but we also saw the Cubs make a few moves as well for the Reds, even though they didn't add anyone at the trade deadline. Reinforcement should be close with the likes of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo coming back to that rotation. I think the sports books don't, don't know what's going on with the National League Central either. Both the Brewers and the Reds are kind of neck and neck. There's really no advantage to either team, I don't think, right now, with the exception of Milwaukee having a little bit better of a staff, Cincinnati having a little bit better of a lineup. You could pull holes in both bullpens. I think Milwaukee's bullpen's a little bit better. I think the Cubs are right there and honestly think this division is completely up for grabs. I think the fact that there isn't really a dominant team in the division makes it easy for me to close my eyes and picture one of the three teams falling completely off the map, one of the three teams going on a crazy run and winning 10, 15 in a row or, you know, eight out of 10 down the stretch to clinch things. And then one of the teams just kind of hovering around the, you know, 500 mark for the rest of the year. It's a really difficult division to handicap. It's a fun division because of the mystery, I guess, that's involved in it. And I think some of the star power is certainly prevalent, especially Cincinnati. They are a very fun team to watch. 
Milwaukee, I think, is more of a boring team. But I do think, gun to my head, I think they're the team that wins it at the end. But I'm not very sure about that, Greg, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean, man, it is going to be a very interesting race moving forward. And I do think a lot of it is going to be coming down to scheduling because on Friday we're going to be seeing the Reds playing against the Washington Nationals with Graham Ashcraft going up against Patrick Corbin in that one. And if the Reds lose that game, I recognize that Graham Ashcraft has had his ups and downs this year. That would be a surprise. And recognize that Colin Ray not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but going up against the Pirates and Quinn Pricer, a loss there for the Brewers, that would be a little bit of a surprise as well. And how much when it comes to the futures market right now do you want to be taking a look at scheduling spots? Because I do think that if there's someone looking to dive in on the Cubs right now, I would say probably wait until after the weekend because I think that there would be a little bit of a better price available since the Cubs playing against the Atlanta Braves, they have by far the most brutal weekend. Totally agree. I think the schedule does matter. The further out you go, the harder it is to predict because the alternate realities that could occur. For example, not a lot of people predicted the, the Nats to take two or three from Milwaukee this week, but the Nats are pesky. And even without Candelario in that lineup, Thomas and Ruiz and, 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 and Abrams at the top. They've got some guys that can really, and they've got some clutch young hitters too, that can present some problems this week for Cincinnati. Because let's be honest, whew, man, that Reds bullpen, and, and you're seeing what's happening to it at Wrigley Field this week, it is ugly. Needless to say, good offenses, even mediocre offenses, I think are going to have successful games against that Reds lineup. But yeah, the schedule matters. I think it's harder now that we're getting down the stretch to find real value in the futures market. I think Baltimore is the one team because of where they are priced, currently not the favorite in the American League, but I think you can make a case for them being amongst the favorites. I think there's upside there. I don't know if there's another team in the futures market that I actually have a realistic pennant or World Series hope that I think is mispriced right now. I think Milwaukee is properly priced outside. I think Philly maybe is the only other team you can make a case for. Lorenzen pitched well, seeing 20 to 1 to win the World Series, 10 to 1 to win the National League. You can make a case that at Philly's peak, they can at least be on the same level and compete with the Braves. And obviously, the Braves are priced significantly shorter than Philly. So at this point in the season, I'm just looking for, for prices that are wrong. And that when we get to October, they're going to be much more favorable for me to either have in my back pocket or obviously make another wager that kind of hedges my action a little bit. Absolutely. And I do think that with the Philadelphia Phillies, they are really starting to ascend with that bullpen as well. One that has been in the top three in ERA over the last 40 days. So that's a big advantage to them as an advantage to this podcast is having Jared Smith aboard as he does tremendous work over here at Vison and Jared, I know that post-All-Star break, things have been very strange with regards to yes run, no run first inning. As I know that you're very aware of, sometimes there is some ups and downs with regards to just such a small sample size in terms of a lot of these games. What have you really gathered with regards to the yes run, no run first inning market post-All-Star break? Because it does feel like it's been a little bit more topsy-turvy these last few weeks than it was towards the beginning part of the season. I think topsy-turvy is, is a great way to describe that wager. It's a really hard wager to get a real feel for because at the end of the day, you are going to have these amazing streaks. And I've had some incredible streaks this year. I've ripped off 8, 10 out of 12 multiple times, and I've lost 8, 10 out of 12 multiple times. I think the key with a wager like this is you stay consistent with your process, 
with me, it's pretty repeatable every night. I know not everyone, you know, puts in the time, you know, to, to, to log all the data that I do. But in that case, you follow people like me that, that do put in the time and you trust them because at the end of the day, it's just information. And then it's a little bit of luck, or I guess maybe more luck than information some days. But the Marlins have been a team that we've relied on a lot this year. And teams like Cincinnati and Atlanta and the Dodgers are teams we've relied heavily on with the Yerfi this year. And I think for the most part, I have some pretty legit sample sizes to back up what these teams are at this point in the year. And if the sheet that I put out every day shows value to one side, Greg, most days it's almost blind. It's just to make sure, you know, I check a few things just to make sure I'm not missing anything glaring. But if my sheet shows some value, I, I, I trust it at this stage because I've done you know, at this point, let me look at my sheet. So 1,627 games have been played so far this year. So I feel like that's a pretty good sample, you know, over 100 games for every team to kind of get a feel for what the daily vibe is with whether or not it's going to be a yes or a no or in first inning. Obviously, the starting pitchers have a massive impact on that. And how much do you think that sometimes it's just a little bit of an example of variance as well? Because I know that when you've come on the show a lot, a lot of your best value plays – have been chalkier lines with taking a look at guys, taking a look at no run first innings with guys that have been highly reliable and have been priced north of minus 135, north of minus 140, things of that nature. Because I mean, when you have a run where someone goes like 11 and 1 to a no run first setting at home, it's just inevitable that sometimes you're going to get like that one error that caused you, you get the old bloop and a blast theory when it comes to baseball. How much of that just gets factored in and how much you just sometimes need to weather the storm knowing that, all right, it's going to be profitable long-term, but you're just going to run into one or two clunkers that inevitably happen with regards to a baseball season. I prefer a lot of minus money, frankly. For example, plus money nerfies this year are down like 50 units and you're not having a good season. You're 223 and 312 for plus money nerfies this year. So if you're going after the games that have high totals, and you're trying to get some plus money on a nerfy, it's tough sledding for you this year. Where on the other side of the coin, nerfies that are priced minus 150 or higher. So the most expensive nerfies on the board this season, most of them have been played by the Marlins. They're 10 and 1 in that category. The entire field is 17 and 7. You're up about nine units. So it might be scarier to lay that juice on a nerfy, but odds are you're going to win that bet. And this season, those have been profitable. Oh, they certainly have been. And as I always like to say, and this applies to all sports, value is value. If you have a minus 150, like you laid out, that's hitting at, as you also laid out, right around 90%. That's a really, really good bet. Getting a plus 120 that cashes 35% of the time. Yeah, you're getting plus money, but you know what? You're losing long term, which is why... Folks absolutely love those parlays with people putting down money on 10 parlays at plus 500 apiece. If you win one out of those 10, yeah, you're going to get a rush from hitting that plus 500, but you're down long term, which is why books absolutely love it. So I think that that's very well said by you, Jared. And in terms of the board that we do have for Friday, very strangely, we do have the Giants and the Oakland A's that will not be playing on Friday. So we actually have 28 out of the 30 teams in action. But is there anything first glance that, does stand out to you, whether it's for a full game, whether it's for a yes run, no run first inning, or just a general a game slash series that you want to kick back, watch in terms of the futures market? Well, you got more new faces or old faces, new places. And I love 
examining those games. You've got Jordan Montgomery making his first start for the Rangers. Good matchup there, actually. Montgomery, Lazardo, two of the better lefties in the league. I know Montgomery hasn't really shown it this year, but his ERA is sub four, and I think he's going to have an impact on that Rangers staff down the stretch. Lazardo's been fantastic. And then you've got an old face in a familiar place, but one we haven't seen in a while, Max Fried back for the Braves. To be perfectly honest, I have not done the sheet yet, so I don't have the value aspect of this staring me in the face. But those two games, just because I like to see how pitchers start out the vibe with a new team, Montgomery and then Max Freed, to see what kind of stuff he has. Because I'll be honest, if, if you add Max Freed back to that Braves team and he is peak Max Freed, man, the Braves are already really good and, and, they, and they just got a lot better. So I think those are two games I definitely have on my radar. Yeah, those are going to be games that are going to be very interesting. And we've got ourselves a pretty nice board, in my opinion, as well. And I do want to get your take on this team as well, because I know that there's been a lot of buzz about them. And you're a man that I know that you come from the great state of New York. What do you make out of the New York Yankees at Houston Astros game with Luis Severino on the mound? Because with the Yankees, there's a lot of people that they were very confused as to what they did at the trade deadline. They continue to throw Luis Severino every five days, and it just feels right now like a big, giant sinking ship for the Yankees, even with Aaron Judge back in the fold. Yeah, you kind of said it. It's a sinking ship. So I've been a Yankees fan my whole life. I don't know if I can recall a more uninteresting Yankees team in my lifetime. You had Aaron Judge coming back after the great year. Obviously, injuries kind of made his season very routine and not very exciting. The pitching staff outside of Garrett Cole is just incredibly bland. Obviously, I hope Domingo Herman gets the help that he needs, but what a roller coaster he had of a season. And how about that time where he was supposed to start, he got scratched, came in relief for Johnny Brito, and then threw like five scoreless settings before going on the list. That was the most random thing I've ever seen. This is a guy that got suspended for sticky stuff violations, then came back and got lit up, gave up like 10 runs in a start, and then the following start throws a perfect game. And, and now he's on the restricted list. And, and it's just, it's been, it's been a really strange kind of changing of the guard, I think, for New York baseball. Whereas back in the 70s and the 80s, the Yankees had a very gunslinger, maverick type owner who came in and wanted to change the face of Major League Baseball and signed all these big name free agents. And some of them worked out, some of them didn't. He fired Billy Martin like seven times one season and made all this noise and he was ruining baseball. And then all of a sudden they win all these World Series and it's a dynasty. It sounds kind of familiar, frankly, to what, you know, Steve Cohen is kind of trying to do. I think it's a more modern day version of it where he's buying and trading players on the stock market, basically, and, you know, trying to cut his losses with trading these guys away. But the Yankees are now the opposite. They care about the bottom line and they're very sterile and they seem more about interested in ticket sales and just ways to keep the ballpark full than actually putting a winning product on the field. This is not a winning product that the Yankees have put on the field this year. And I don't think it's going to be a winning product for years to come just because the farm system doesn't have that really high end talent and they're not willing to spend the money like they were in prior years. So I'm very, very bearish on the Yankees. I think I'm a little more neutral to bullish on the Mets because I think upside is there with the owner. If he just finds some guys to make some good baseball decisions, he's got nothing but money to burn and he clearly is very interested in winning. Yep, he clearly is interested in winning, much like you are, Jared. You do an amazing <laughs> job here at Vison. You do an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at no run, yes run, first setting. I know that you're doing a great job getting set for the football season and so much more. So let the good people at home 
know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yep, at Jared Lee Smith on all platforms. Obviously, a lot of work for VEASAN um, over the next few weeks and mostly on the weekends. And then the uh, the yes run, no run first inning articles go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning. So we'll get all that weekend baseball, uh, you know, in delivered to you. And Fox Sports Radio every Saturday morning. Countdown to kickoff will be back uh, in a couple weeks and we'll start to gear up for college football season and regular appearances on Live on the Line too, which is sponsored by BetMGM and Valleys and lots of fun stuff. And I think I lied at the top because I said that you were on Twitter. It's actually X now. I am very sorry. I made that I'm mistake. I'm calling you Twitter. It's okay. Yep. It's much like good old Miller Park in Milwaukee. It's how American Family Field. I still call it Miller Park. So there is that. But a man that I know who to call upon whenever I need some great insight, that would be Jared Smith. He does amazing work here at Vison and always great to get him on the show. Big thanks to Jared for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch a ball. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Jared Smith. He does tremendous work over here at Visa, taking a look at so many different things. I know that he's getting set for football season. He's been doing a great job on the no-run, yes-run, first-inning front. On top of that, 
He does an amazing job with all of our weekend coverage over here at VEASAN as well. So, big thanks to Jared for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gnet underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Atlanta Braves. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Chicago Cubs as the professor, Kyle Hendricks, goes for the Cubbies. And Max Fried is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Currently, the only place I'm seeing a number up with regards to a money line is DraftKings. That is a minus 185 on the Atlanta Braves, plus 154 on the Cubs. There's no total because of this being a Wrigley Field game. And because there's no total, that means that there's no run line up either. But if we get north of a plus 160, that would be my buy point on the Chicago Cubs. As I place this to where I set the Atlanta Braves as a minus 161 favorite. And if you're able to get plus money getting a run and half with the Chicago Cubs, that's something that I would entertain as well. A little bit murky as of right now because I think we're going to get a little bit of a lower total. I personally set mine at an 8.1, 8 or less looking at the over 8.5 prior to the under as winds are going to be blowing in. Winds are going to be blowing in, as a matter of fact, more around like 12, 13 miles per hour. So I did set a very low total. This is an Atlanta Braves team that they lead the league in home runs. They lead the National League when it comes to batting average on base percentage. You've got yourself a locked and loaded team. Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting for a 335 average with north of 50 stolen bases and 25 home runs. We all know what he's capable of. Matt Olson, he's able to give you 37 home runs. As a matter of fact, you've got five separate guys on this Braves team that have been able to supply at least 22 home runs. I believe that you're up to nine guys with at least 11 home runs as well, but the wind blowing in is going to be able to help out with that, and the Professor Kyle Hendricks will not give out free passes. With Kyle Hendricks, he is giving out about 1.4 walks per nine innings. He doesn't get strikeouts to save his life, but he's been able to do a nice job holding down the fort. Now, with Kyle Hendricks, he has given up three-plus runs in four out of his last five starts, and because he is very much a pitcher contact guy, the ball is going to be in play quite a bit, but I do think that because of the conditions, he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. Meanwhile, for Max Freed, this is going to be his first start since a very early May. It has been a while since we have seen Max Freed. He has been doing quite a bit of rehabbing, whether that be via minor league starts, whether that be going and throwing some simulated games. Things have been looking very good with him, as I know that the Braves Network has been posting out some video of him, and everything that I've seen, he looks relatively solid, and if you do take a look at the rehab that he was able to put together, he did go 0-2 in the four rehab starts, but 9.8 strikeouts to three walks per nine innings. He was looking relatively solid with regards to the command as well, so I do think that he's going to be fine in this start, and for the Atlanta Braves, they are towards the top of the National League with regards to uh, bullpen ERA. Kirby Yates has been able to do a very solid job in this ordeal, and I do think that for Max Freed, he's probably not going to be pitching as normal like 100-plus pitches or anything like that. I think that they're going to ease him back in the full, which means that you're going to be relying upon maybe someone like a Michael Tonkin who's been able to give you multiple innings. He's been able to post up a sub-3-5 ERA. Reinforcements seem to be close for some of the injured Braves in regards to the bullpen as well, but 
So even with that, they have been the number one team with regards to bullpen area in the National League. Meanwhile, you've got yourself a bunch in the Chicago Cubs that have been able to ascend a little bit with regards to their bullpen area as well. Overall for the season, it's number 15, but they're a top 10 team in terms of bullpen area. Over the last 30 days, Michael Fulmer has really been able to pick it up recently. You've been able to get very nice production as well out of Julian Merriweather, Edgar Elsley. It's someone that has been very encouraging for the Cubs. I mean, you take a look at the Atlanta Braves and they've got so many hot hitters, but really the hottest hitter in the National League over the last 30 days has been Cody Bellinger. He had darn near a 400 during the month of July. He, Dansby Swanson, Christopher Burrell, all between 16 and 17 home runs. Patrick Wisdom has been able to supply 19 bombs as well. You've got plenty of guys who are able to get on base. Ian Happright around about a 380 on base. Bellinger's up to about a 370 with regards to his on base. You've got Mike Talkman doing a great job robbing home runs. He's been able to give you 375 on base. So you've got a lot of Cubs that they are able to move the line. Certainly the Braves should be a pretty demonstrative favorite, but if you're able to get plus money, getting a run and a half with the Cubs or a plus 162 or better, we'll be willing to look there with the Braves willing to lay up to a pretty much a minus 160 on them and even money with regards to that run line. And then eight or less looking at the over eight and a half prior to the under. 903-904 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati and they're on to Graham Ashcraft getting the start for them. And Patrick Corbin is on the bump. For Washington and Washington, they are an underdog of between plus 154 and plus 160. Meanwhile, with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, you're going to be finding them in that neighborhood about minus 175 to a minus 185, with your total on this game being 10.5. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 115. The over is between minus 105 to a minus 110. And for the Reds, I set them at a minus 223. <laughs> Recognize that Graham Ashcraft in the month of May and June. Was unable to get anything going, but I do like him in this spot. If you're looking at that Reds run line, you're going to be finding it in a lot of places between about a plus 105 to a plus 110. I was going to lay up to about a minus 120, so I'm going to be looking at that Reds run line. And for Graham Ashcraft, it's really been a renaissance for him ever since he did get shelled in the month of May and June. As you take a look at his last five starts, he has given up a combined six runs in these last five starts. The team actually did lose two of them, not of his fault at all, but for Ashcraft, he's really been able to pick it up now. He still is giving out about 3.7 walks per nine innings. He's got a fielding independent of 514 compared to about a 531 ERA, so it's not like he's been getting super duper unlucky or anything like that because this is a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy, but I certainly do like him more than Patrick Corbin in this ordeal. Corbin has a very similar ERA at a 507, but with Patrick Corbin, he doesn't get a lot of swings and misses himself. 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. He's actually done an okay job of keeping the walks down. Two and a half walks per nine innings, but he gives up 1.5 home runs per nine innings. And after a relatively nice start to the season, things have a really toilet bowl for our good friend and master Patrick Corbin, as he's allowed three plus runs in four out of his last five starts. And if you want to date it back a little bit further, seven out of his last 10 starts. And for Patrick Corbin, ERA on the road is 5.13, but more concerning on the road, he is giving up about 2.3 home runs per nine innings. Now, this is a red team that is below league average with regards to home runs on a per-game basis, but Joey Votto is really starting to supply the boom. He's been getting a home run every about 10.5 or so at best, and then you've got him helping out the likes of Jake Fraley along with Spencer Searchoth in India. These guys, a combined 45 home runs between the three of them, 14, 15, and 16, respectively. You've been able to have Spencer Steer move the line as he, TJ Friedel, Frey Leo, I mentioned a little bit before, uh, between about a 347 to a 357 on base. You've got a red team that as a whole, they are in the top eight with regards to on base percentage. And then Matt McLean, he's been able to do a nice job hitting for above a 300. Will Benson has been able to give you about a 375 on base as well. 
Lily De La Cruz obviously has been a little bit up and down, but you've also got a red team that they just completely outgun. This Washington Nationals team in terms of bullpen area, the Washington Nationals, they are dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen area. The likes of Andres Machado, Amos Willingham, you just go down the list. Corey Abbott, Joe LaSorsa, all these guys give you a 5-plus ERA. It's honestly too terrific. Meanwhile, Derek Law, Alex Young, Ian Gabo, along with Alexis Diaz. These are guys that have been able to supply you with a sub-325 ERA. I do think that this should be some domination by the Reds with regards to their bullpen. I did set this total at 10.3 because with the Washington Nationals, they just don't have a lot of thumping power. One of their two guys that had really been able to supply them with north of 11 home runs, Jameer Candelario, is now on the Chicago Cubs. They do a good job of being able to get on base. This is a national team that they rank at the top eight with regards to batting average. Lane Thomas is able to give you 16 home runs, is hitting for about about 280. Riley Adams, he's hitting just below 300 as well. The likes of Luis Garcia, Dominic Smith, Michael Chavis when he's been out there in between about 260 to 270 is all well and good, but there's nobody to be able to drive them in. I think that this total is fine a little bit too high with the way that Ashcraft is pitching. Looking at the 10.5 under and the Reds on the run line. 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers as Quinn Pricer is on the bump for the Buccos and Colin Ray says hip hip array to another start for the Brewers. And the Brewers, they are favorites anywhere between minus 154 and I am seeing as high as a minus 166 on them. Meanwhile, with the Buccos, you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 140 and plus 148. Nine is the total. The juice is on the over anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And with the Brewers, I did set them minus 167 on the money line. And if you are taking a look at them on the run line, currently I'm seeing a run line price in that neighborhood about a plus 120 in a lot of spots, seeing a straight plus 125. I was willing to go to a plus 115 or higher. So I'm going to be looking at the Brewers on the run line because I do think that we're going to be seeing some scoring in this spot. I did set my total at 9.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over with Ray. He has actually been worse at home than he has been on the road. A lot of Brewers pitchers actually have worse ERAs at home than they do on the road. That's just because what is now American Family Field, it's still Miller Park to me. It does yield quite a bit of home runs. We have seen that with Ray. He's giving up about 1.9 home runs per nine innings with opponents hitting at 263 off of him. 501 home ERA compared to a 453 road ERA with his home runs per nine rate dipping in. For the Pirates, they went doing one in Pricer's starts. Not necessarily due to Pricer. He has given up four plus runs in all three of these starts. All three of those starts, by the way, went well over the total as he's given up four home runs in 15 and two-thirds innings. He has issued 11 walks in 15 and two-thirds innings. Highly touted guy. Very highly drafted gentleman a few years ago. Just does not look ready for the big leagues. Even when I took a look at him at the minor league level, I thought that he needed a little bit more time. And well, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's been rough for this offense. Ever since the beginning of the month of May, going into the game that we saw on Thursday, this is a Pirates bunch as dead last of the National League in terms of runs per game, home runs per game, and batting average. They've got one guy that entered into yesterday with north of 12 home runs as far this season. Jack Swinniski, 21 home runs. He's been able to give you about a 340 on base. Andrew McCutcheon has been able to give you a 385 on base. But now they're mixing and matching a bunch of these young guys. As you've right now got Topico American No getting a bunch of at-bats. He's hitting about a 235. They trade away Carlos Santana. He's actually now on the Milwaukee Brewers. 
I like what I've seen recently out of someone like a Jared Torriolo, who's been getting some more at-bats. He's a young guy that's able to move the line a little bit. Henry Davis, the former number one overall pick. He's got a little bit of thumping power, giving you about a 335 on base. These are raw guys, though. The bullpen has been picked up recently for the Pirates. They rank in the top 12 in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. Having Jose Hernandez out of the fold was hurting them quite a bit as he, along with someone like a Yuri De Los Santos, Jordi Mareta, these are guys that are giving you between about a 3-3 to a 3-70 ERA. And then David Benar has been tremendous in this bullpen as well. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, they've been able to find their fitting with regards to this bullpen as well. Elvis Piguero has went down the toilet pole a little bit, but they trade for Andrew Chafin. They've been able to get really good innings out of the likes of Joel Pyamps, Hobie Milner, Devin Williams, all these guys being able to give you a sub 2-5 ERA. JC Bahia, sub 3 ERA, and Uribe has been able to do a solid job as well. What has been the issue for the Brewers is they're a bottom three team in the National League in terms of runs per game. They've been dead last for much of the campaign with regards to batting average, but Carlos Santana was on the Pirates, who's been able to slug out 13 home runs, giving you about a 320 on base. He's helping out a little bit. They bring Bring up a prospect that I really do like in terms of Sal Freelich. He's been able to make a nice impact for this team. And then you do have a quartet of guys not named Carlos Santana that have been able to give you 12 plus home runs as far as the season. Joey Weimer, William Thomas, Christian Yelich, Roddy Tellez. Now, the only one of these guys that has been able to give you north of a 300 on base is Yelich, but a 370 on base. Tellez has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but I do think that the Brewers, they should be able to get to Pricer in this ordeal with the Brewers. They are a top 12 team in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at bat basis at home, and I do think that they get to Pricer looking at the sign over and looking at the Brewers on the run line. 907, 908 on the bank board. The Colorado Rockies are on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wayno Adam Wainwright is going to be on the bump for St. Louis and Chris Flexen. Great name. is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. The Rockies are an underdog. They are between plus 145 and plus 152 underdogs. Meanwhile, between minus 165 and minus 175 is that number on the Cardinals. And if you're looking at the Cardinals on the run line, you find that right in the neighborhood of plus 115. And to this game, you're going to be finding it at a 9.5 with the over and the under both at between minus 105 to a minus 115. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's been a rough season for them, but I set them at a minus 227. This Rockies team has absolutely no offense whatsoever. They trade away Randall Gritchick. They trade away C.J. Krohn. Chris Bryant has been injured all season long. Ryan McMahon is right now the only guy on the roster that has been able to give you north of 11 home runs thus far this season, and Chris Flexen belongs in the KBO once again. He's posting up an 808 ERA. In his first start with the Colorado Rockies, gives up six runs, five of which were earned in less than four innings against the Oakland A's. This is just deplorable right now for the Colorado Rockies. I mean, my goodness. I just don't know what they're going to be able to get going at this point. As Flexen was a little bit of a bullpen guy towards the back half of his tenure with the Seattle Mariners, just has not been able to cut it. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright has had a terrible year as well. He has made 13 starts. He has given up three-plus runs in 12 of those starts. He is giving up a home runs per nine rate that is hovering right in the neighborhood about 1.8 to 1.9, 816 is his home ERA with Adam Wainwright. His strikeouts per nine rate is hovering in the neighborhood of about five. So, yeah, this is not necessarily going well for him, but with the St. Louis Cardinals, at the very least, they back him up with a little bit of offense as the two Nolans, Nolan Arenado along with Nolan Gorman, they both have been able to supply 22 home runs apiece 
Paul Goldschmidt, he's been able to give you 18 home runs as well as for Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Brandon Donovan, Lars Newbar, they're all hitting between about a 275 to 285. So you've got guys that are able to move the line for the St. Louis Cardinals, a Cardinals offense that they've done a good job of being able to generate offense. They rank in the top eight of the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at bat basis. At home, they've been one of the best teams at being able to move the line, hitting a 265 as a collective. That's a top eight mark. And for the St. Louis Cardinals in terms of runs per game at home, this is a team that they do rank in the top eight, being able to generate about 5.1 runs per game at home, more like 4.3 on the road. It's a Cardinals team that they really don't have any sort of a bullpen whatsoever, though they don't have a single qualifying reliever because I consider at this point to go to Hudson to be a starter then as an ERA. That is below a 360 with Giovanni Gallegos being that you've got the likes of Andre Pallante along with Drew Verhag and Zach Thompson giving you between about like a 4-3 to a 5 ERA. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've actually been league average with regards to their bullpen in terms of ERA over the last three days. If you count out that ninth inning that we saw from the San Diego Padres about 48 or so hours ago, they've had some solid parts. Daniel Bard really pooped the bat on that one, but Overall, he's been able to give you a halfway decent year as Justin Lawrence, Brent Suter. These are guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. Matt Cook has been able to do a solid job as well. But with the Colorado Rockies, you're just trotting out there. A bunch of young guys that are trying to give you some solid at-bats. Elias Seas is hitting a 275. Ryan McMahon has been able to give you 18 home runs. But this is a Colorado Rockies team that they're averaging 3.8 runs per contest. There is no other team in the National League averaging fewer than 4 runs per game on the road. So it's a good old situation of something's got to give. You've got really bad pitching from Adam Wainwright. You've got no offense with the Colorado Rockies. I did set my total at 9.8 because I think that Chris Flexen gets lit up like a Christmas tree, and I think that the Cardinals do their part with regards to the total. So looking at the over with the Cardinals, I was willing to lay a number with regards to the run line up to a minus 125. I'm getting a plus price, so we're going to have the Cardinals run line to go along with this total over 909.910 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres. They play LCLA Dodgers as Bobby Miller goes for the Dodgers. Hugh Darvish is on the bump for the Pods. And the Padres finding themselves as favorites anywhere between minus 118 to minus 120 with the Dodgers. They are between about minus 102 to a plus 105. Total on this game, it is 8. The over I'm currently seeing at a minus 115, and the under is at minus 105. And with this total, I did set it at an 8.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Now, with Hugh Darvish ever since he has joined the San Diego Padres, his ERA has been markably better when he's been at home rather than when he's been on the road, but it has been an almighty struggle for our good friend and Mr. Hugh Darvish as far as the season, a 4.53 ERA. He's pitched a little bit better than this, in my opinion. He is giving up 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about three, but he has still been able to get a little bit north of nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And the ERA falls slightly when he's at home for 24 home ERA compared to a 4.86 ERA on the road. And you do have to count out that Mexico City appearance that he made as well. Those are just appearances that are going to be driving up these guys' numbers for quite a while. It's very unfair to gauge them when they're pitching in Mexico City. Meanwhile, for Bobby Miller, he's got a 4.37 ERA, and he's honestly pitched a little bit better than this. I do feel like after he had a very good first few starts for the uh, Dodgers, I think they gave up something like one run in his first four starts. He has been figured out ever since then, but he's deserved better than what he's gotten. He's given up three-plus runs in four out of his last five starts. Fielding independence at 361 compared to his 4.37 ERA. He's getting nine strikeouts per nine innings, only giving up about 2.4 walks. Per nine innings, keeping the ball in the yard with less than a home run, surrender per nine innings. So I do think that there's going to be some positivity there, and what has been very positive as well 
fact that the LA Dodgers bullpen has been able to pick it up as well. This was a bunch that towards the beginning part of the year was deplorable. I'm not sure if Joe Kelly is necessarily the answer for helping out this bullpen, but he sure is a whole lot better than Phil Bickford. And for the Dodgers, they are number two in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days as we've been able to get good production out of Bursardo Gratterall, Caleb Ferguson, Evan Phillips. They're providing a sub three ERA overall for the season. The Padres are a little bit above average with regards to their bullpen. Going into the month of July, they were really that supreme bullpen in the National League. Had a little bit of fall off, but they're back to 12th in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. Steven Wilson is back after he was dealing with an injury. Tom Cosgrove, he's been able to do a relatively solid job all season long, providing a sub-2 ERA like what he's been able to bring to the table. Nick Martinez has been a little bit rough, but you still have Josh Hader out there in that bullpen as well for the Padres. It's all about hitting with men in scoring position because this is a very top-heavy lineup. Juan Soto, by the way, Eight home runs ever since the All-Star break. He has gotten white hot. He's got 23 bombs, a 425 on base. He's starting to live up to that contract. Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. Combined 39 home runs between the two of them. Both giving you between about a 320 to a 330 in terms of their on base. But Hassan Kim, he actually leads all National League players in war right now. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but he's having a nice year. 380 on base, 15 home runs. He certainly has been able to do his part. The biggest thing for the Padres is you've got the likes of a Rudnett Odor, the entirety of the catcher spot, Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham. These guys hitting a... 220 or lower now. I will say for the Padres, and we had a few of these guys that have those low batting averages. They do draw walks. They are number one in the uh, big leagues with regards to walks drawn on a per at bat basis, but guess who's number two? The LA Dodgers. The LA Dodgers don't necessarily have the world's greatest batting average, but you've got thumpers in this lineup as Mookie Best has been able to give you 29 home runs. He's north of a 360 in terms of his on base. J.D. Martinez has been dealing with a little bit of a hamstring ailment. It kept him out in that series against the Oakland A's. I think a lot of the reason why he missed that series is because it was against the Oakland A's. I think that he should be good to go in this one. Meanwhile, Freddie Freeman, about a 415 on base, 21 home runs. You've got guys there just absolutely tearing it up for the Sally Dodgers team. But I do think that for you, Darvich, he is going to be able to find it a little bit more at home. And I do think that the Padres starting to round into form a bit as well, even though the Dodgers bullpen has been better recently. Still have some trepidation there. So it's on my deal at an 8.7. I think that both of these offenses, even in Petco Park, they get it going, looking at the over. And with the Padres, set the minus 131 on the money line. So take a look at that Padres money line to go along with the over. 9-11, on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers playing OC Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Liddell is going to be going for the Rays. And Reese Olsen is on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is anywhere between a plus 120 to a plus 125 underdog. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Tampa Bay, find them anywhere between about a minus 130 to a minus 149 is your total. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. I did set my total at 8.3. I'm going to be one to take a look at the under and with the raise, I was willing to go up to a minus 153 with regards to this money line. I was very encouraged by Zach Liddell, the way that he came out in his last start as he has been primarily utilized as a bullpen piece. And I mean, he's been a pretty mediocre bullpen piece throughout his career. He's rocking a north of 4-5 ERA thus far this season. But for Zach Liddell, goes out there, shoves against the Houston Astros, and this is a Tampa Bay Rays team that they just have an uncanny ability of bringing out the best in a lot of these guys. Zach Liddell, ever since he has gotten to the Tampa Bay Rays, he's got a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 14. 
I don't think that this is going to be withstanding. I do think that this is going to shrink a little bit as for his career. It's more around about a 2.8, but you have to be very encouraged there. Meanwhile, you've got a young kid in Reese Olsen that I do think has quite a bit of upside. He's gotten lit up in his last two starts and flat out for the Detroit Tigers last time, five times he has taken them out. They have lost all five times. I don't necessarily attribute that to Reese Olsen and I do feel like he's gotten a little bit of the short end of the stick as well. He's got a 471 ERA. Fielding independence more around a 408. He has been giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but gets eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Really not issuing any walks whatsoever. He has given up a grand total of two walks over his last four starts. Ten walks in total over the course of 49 and two-thirds innings. He's backed up by a bullpen that isn't terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. As for the Detroit Tigers, you've got quite a few guys like Tyler Holton, Jason Foley, Jose Cicerno have been able to give you a sub for ERA. Alex Lang has been a little bit up and down, but I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up as well. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, after they had a really, really bad run of things with regards to their bullpen in the month of May, they've been able to do a much better job recently. If you take a look at the last 35 days, this is a Rays team that, in terms of bullpen ERA, they've been one of the best teams in the big leagues with that regard as well. So I do think that we are going to continue to see some positivity there as you've had the likes of... Jason Adam, Colin Poucher, Pete Fairbanks be able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Thus far this season, Kevin Kelly has been able to pick it up. And then they've had reclamation projects like a Jake Diekman, Robert Stevenson that will be able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA for the Tampa Bay Rays. They have been one of the low-scoring offenses in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. But you still have eight separate guys that have been able to give you at least 12 home runs thus far this season. I actually think that all eight of these guys are actually up to 14 home runs now, it's been absolutely stark, and all but two of these guys have been able to hit it for at least a 255 average one of those guys that has not. Jose Siri, he's given you a home run every about 12 at-bats. He has been able to do a tremendous job with regards to his power. These guys find a way to be able to move the line. Yandy Diaz, a 400 on base. Harold Ramirez, he has been a little bit in and out of the full, but whenever he has been out there, he's been able to do a great job being able to find a way to get on base. I think that he should be all good to go in this series as well. And then on the flip side for the Detroit Tigers, this is a bottom five team in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. Bottom five team in terms of on-base percentages. You've got two guys with north of 11 home runs this far this season and three guys with north of nine as Jake Rogers has been able to give you 13 home runs. Spencer Torkelson, he's up to 15 home runs. But, I mean, pretty much all these guys are giving you a sub-310 on base and are hitting a sub-230 as Avi Baez, Spencer Torkelson, Jake Rogers, Akil Badu, Zach Short. They all fall into that fold. You've had Riley Green hitting above a 300, but that's about it. Matt Feeling has been relatively okay as well, but I do think that this should be some domination by the Tampa Bay Racer just loaded at every spot. I think that Zach Liddell is finding his niche as a starter. I did sub by tell it an 8.3. I fly out, do not think that the Tigers are going to be able to do their part with regards to the total line. If you're taking a look at the race on the run line, you're going to be finding their plus price laying around and a half. Right around about a plus 115. Honestly, seeing the minus 130 to minus 135 money lines out there, I'd rather go money line in a little bit of a lower scoring game. So looking at the under and looking at the race on the money line, 913-914 on the main board. It is the Houston Astros. They're on the road. They're facing off against the New York Yankees. As Luis Severino goes for the Yankees. And Hunter Brown is on the bump for the Astros. The Astros do find themselves as favorites. You're going to be getting them in the neighborhood of between minus 134 to a minus 140 with the Yankees. Plus price, that is anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125. And for the Astros, I did set them minus 135 on the money line. Currently seeing right around that range. I wouldn't want to lay much more than what I have available to me on the Astros. But seeing the minus 134 that is available to me right now, I'd be willing to lay that money line. You've got yourself a Yankees bunch as averaging fewer than 3.9 runs per contest. 
since the first game that they played without Aaron Judge, that would be on June 4th now with Aaron Judge. He has been able to breathe a little bit of life into this offense. We saw that when they faced off against Jay McClanahan a few days ago, but he still have a lot of problems in this lineup as you got Anthony Volpe, the entirety of the catcher spot, John Carlos Stanton, Esvaldo Cabrera, Jake Bowers, all hitting at 226 or lower for the squad. Now, you've had John Carlos Stanton now be able to give you 16 home runs. DJ LeMayu, when he's been out there, has not been right. Anthony Rizzo is dealing with an injury. He's currently out of the fold as well, so you've got a lot of moving pieces. And for the New York Yankees, the good news is, behind Luis Severino, they've got the number one bullpen in the big leagues. As you've had a lot of guys do a very solid job of being able to provide relief for this team, as the likes of Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Ian Hamilton, throw in there Tommy Canley, guys like this have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. They have performed admirably. But you've got a guy in Luis Severino who's been absolutely awful this year as he has given up three-plus runs at eight out of his last 10 starts. He has posted up an ERA that is hovering right in that neighborhood of about a 749. He is giving up over two home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is starting to approach about a 3.7 to a 3.8 going up against Hunter Brown. He's had his ups and downs as well, but for Hunter Brown, he's actually been a little bit better this year when he's been on the road than when he's been at home. 3.71, road ERA, 4.66 ERA at home. Now, he is giving up the deep ball a little bit more on the road, giving up right in the neighborhood about 1.3 to 1.4 home runs per nine innings. He's issuing a little bit over three walks per nine innings, but he's also been able to get a little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. The answer is they're slightly above average with regards to bullpen ERA, but likes of Phil Maton, Hector Neres, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley. These have been guys that have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. And for the Houston Astros, since the beginning of the month of June, they are number two in the AL in terms of runs per game. Jordan Alvarez coming back is massive. Despite missing over 30 games, leads the team in home runs with 19. He's been able to hit a 300, nearly a 400 on base. You get Jose Altuve back in the fold, which it's been a little bit sporadic from, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. His batting average is back above 275. Jeremy Pena has not been able to give you too much, but Kyle Tucker, 18 home runs. He's been able to hit right around 300, good on base. Chaz McCormick has been able to do a good job moving the line whenever you've had Yanir Diaz in the catcher spot as well. This has been a very good hitting Houston Astros team, so I'm going to be willing to buy in on the Astros at a minus 135, and really not a whole lot of lot else. Meanwhile, if you are taking a look at that run line as well, you're going to be finding that right in the neighborhood of plus 120 to a plus 125. I would need closer to a plus 130 to be able to dive in there, and Hunter Brown has had a few struggles this year. Luis Severino has struggled mightily, and I do think that the Yankees starting to improve with Aaron Judge back in the fold in that offense. And as we know, that draw porch in Yankee Stadium, that can make any under very sweaty. So I did sell my total 9.3, looking at the over, and I'm going to be willing to take the Astros at a minus 135 on the money line. 915-916 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox, they're throwing their facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Logan Allen is going to be going for the Guardians, and Mike Clevenger is on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are getting a plus price of between plus 140 and plus 145. Meanwhile, with the Guardians, you're finding them between minus 155 to a minus 170. Eight and a half is the total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And with the Guardians, they set the minus 177 on the money line. If you are taking a look at the run line, find that in the neighborhood about a plus 125. And I am going to be willing to buy in on this Cleveland Guardians run line. I was willing to take a plus 110. Or higher. Mike Clevenger in his first start back actually looked halfway decent for the Chicago White Sox, but it's really been a tough case ever since. He has dealt with that injury that kept him out the entirety of the 2021 campaign as for the season, 
359 ERA, but if you look at the advanced numbers, it indicates that there's going to be a little bit of regression with Mike Clevenger. The swing and miss stuff just has never been able to fully return from. He is giving up quite a bit of hard contact as well. His fielding independence more around at 467, so a full point higher than his ERA, giving up about three and a half walks per nine innings. Now, the good news is he does go up against a Cleveland Guardian team that is dead singing last with regards to home runs in the big leagues, but Jose Ramirez along Josh Naylor have really been able to heat up as the season has won along for Naylor, hitting above the 315 home runs. You've been able to get 18 bombs out of Jose Ramirez as well. That's been very beneficial. Now, you do want to note that Josh Naylor dealing with a little bit of an injury, but even if he is out of the fold, I still think that even with him out that the Cleveland Guardians should still be able to get to Mike Clevenger. As for the Cleveland Guardians, they've honestly been able to do a good job of being able to hit righties as far as the season with regards to batting average ranking in the top eight. With that regard, they did trade away Ahmed Rosario. That's rough, but you've got Stephen Kwan hitting about a 275 now. What you really need is some of these guys to be able to pick it up because likes of Will Brandon, Andre Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, these were guys that hit above a 270 last year. They're all hitting at 259 or lower right now, but I do think that they are going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, they trade away Jake Berger, which means that you're going to really need to rely upon Luis Robert for power, and Luis Robert has been able to do an amazing job this year. He's been able to slug out 29 home runs. He's giving you about a 265 to 270 average, but in terms of on-base percentage, the White Sox don't have a lot of it because with the White Sox, they're just stubborn and are unable to take walks. They've got one guy with north of a 330 on-base. That's Andrew Benatendi, and that's because he's hitting a 280 for the White Sox, they've got the lowest walk rate on a per at basis in the big leagues. Eloy Jimenez has been able to get about a 280. He's been able to give you 13 home runs. You've been able to get a little bit of production as well recently out of Tim Anderson, but he's still hitting about a 245. Elvis Andrews, along with Ansel Alberto, whenever he has been out there. Oscar Colas, whenever he's been out there. I mean, these are guys hitting a 225 or lower. And for the White Sox, they were already bad with their bullpen, and now they've traded away their best bullpen pieces. We know the Lopez is out of the fold. You trade away Kendall Graveman. So that means, hey, you're relying upon the likes of Aaron Bummer, Brian Shaw and company. Gregory Santos is probably your most trustworthy piece in the bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, they continue to be a top-five team in terms of bullpen area. Eli Morgan, along with Aniel De Los Santos, Emmanuel Clase, the closer, Trevor Steven, they're all giving you a sub-3-5 ERA. And for Logan Allen, ever since he's gotten called up to the big leagues, he's been able to do a very rock-solid job, giving up about 1.1 home runs per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that's hovering right in the neighborhood about nine as well. It's done a solid job not giving up a ton of walks. His walks per nine rate is in that neighborhood of 3, 415 ERA, 327 ERA on the road. That's been a little bit rough, but I think that he should be able to handle this White Sox lineup. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Guardians on the run line. Did somebody tell it at 8.7? This White Sox bullpen is truly awful. I think that the Guardians get to it late. So we're going to add the over and the run line of Cleveland. 917-918 on the betting board. It is the Boston Red Sox playing OC Toronto Blue Jays. And this is a DK Network write-up pick. You've got Alec Manoa going for the Jays, and James Paxson, Big Maple, is on the bump for Boston. Boston is a favorite. You're going to be getting them anywhere between as high as a minus 155, as low as a minus 141. Meanwhile, between plus 130 and plus 135, your number on Toronto. 10 is the total. The over and the under are both between minus 105 to a minus 115. I set the Red Sox minus 149 on the money line, so seeing that more around minus 140, minus 145 price, I'm going to be willing to buy in there, but my write-up pick might surprise you. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and the biggest reason why is 
Alec Manoa has actually been remarkably better on the road than he has been at home. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever because everyone not named Alec Manoa has pitched pretty well in Toronto. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, most of them have pitched poorly on the road. And Alec Manoa, he's got an ERA that's more than half of that on the road than it is at home. 815 home ERA compared to a 392 ERA on the road. On the road, he's giving up 0.9 home runs per nine innings. He's not looking like his Cy Young form, but he's been halfway presentable on the road. At home, it's been very, very deplorable, to say the least. And ever since Alec Manoa has gotten back to the big league bubble, he's made four starts, he's given up three runs or fewer in three of them, a 434 ERA. Once again, is he laying the world on fire? No, but he's giving up less than home run per nine innings. Opponents are at 2-11 off of him. The swing and miss stuff has been back. 20 punch outs at 18 and two-thirds innings. And he goes up against a guy in James Paxton who has been very good at home. He has been able to give you a 225 ERA. His strikeout numbers have been remarkable both at home and on the road. He's getting eight strikeouts per every seven innings. So that's very, very solid. And for James Paxton... I mean, he's just been rolling. Three runs of fear surrendered in nine out of his last 10 starts. He has given up just one home run in his last three starts as well, so has been able to do a very solid job there. And you've got two sneaky bullpens in this one as well. For the Boston Red Sox, they're actually number six in the big leagues in terms of bullpen anyway. For the Blue Jays, they are up to 10th. They're missing Jordan Romano, but they pick up Jordan Nix at the trade deadline. You've also been able to get some good innings out of Tim Mesa. Eric Swanson has been going down the toilet bowl, but he still has been able to give you a sub-4 ERA as well. Meanwhile, for the Boston Red Sox, Chris Martin has been one of the most underrated relievers in the big leagues. A sub-2 ERA, Brandon Bernardino, Josh Winkowski, Kenley Jansen, these are guys giving you a sub-325 ERA as well. John Schreiber is back in full. Zion Nessie looked like himself since coming off the injured list, but I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit as well. And for the Boston Red Sox, they do have the league's best batting average at home, but they are coming in, having scored three runs or fewer in five out of their last six games. Recognize that that was on a road trip, but for Boston, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression when it comes to their batting when they are at home, as you've got a lot of guys like, for example, Justin Turner is hitting about 50 points higher when he's at home rather than when he's on the road, as he and Rafael Devers have been your main masters. These are a pair of guys hitting a combined 42 home runs. We've got a spot like Tristan Casas. He has been absolutely incredible recently for the Boston Red Sox. Last three days, he's averaging a home run every 10 at best, hitting a 358. So he's really been able to pick it up recently as well. You've got also someone like a Jaron Duran, though, that his on base percentage is nearly 100 points higher when he's at home rather than when he's on the road. I think that things are going to be ironing out a little bit more with that regard. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, post All Star break, this team is tied for ninth in the American League in terms of runs per game. They had to put Bo Bichette. On the injured list, he's been leading the team at batting average. He's tied for the team lead in terms of home runs as you've got George Springer finally busted out of that 0 for 35 funk, but he has been terrible over the last three days. Like Jr. is able to give you about a 3.43 on base as he, Whit Mirfield, Matt Chapman, and Brandon Belt all give you between a 3.43 and about a 3.60 on base percentage. Alejandro Kirk has been able to pick it up a little bit, but this is a league average Blue Jays team in terms of total home runs. They've had a little bit of a tough time being able to put back to ball all season long in terms of driving guys in, and I think that Paxton and Manoa actually give good starts here. So my DK Network right to pick that is going to be on the under. So I tell at 9.3 side of 10. Looking at the under end with the Red Sox. One to lay up to a minus 149 on the money line. 9, 19, 920 on the bank board. The LA Angels, they play as the Seattle Mariners. As Luis Castillo goes for Seattle and 
Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. The Angels are finding themselves as very slight underdogs in this ordeal. You're finding Seattle anywhere between about a minus 112 to a minus 120. With LA, you're going to be finding them between about a minus 102 to a plus 105 to the game. Finding it currently at an 8. I was seeing a few straight 8 and a halfs before. If you're seeing an 8 and a half, under is going to be minus 120 and the over is even. Meanwhile, on the 8, that over is minus 115 to minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And with the Seattle Mariners, set them at a minus 133 on the money line. Reed Detmers, I do think, has pitched better than his numbers, but I do think that he's a little bit outgunned by a guy in Luis Castillo that I think is good to be able to have a big second half to the season as well. For Detmers, the biggest issue that you do have with him is command, as overall this season he's been giving you right around 3.5 walks per 9 innings while being able to strike out 11.3 guys per 9 innings. So he's been able to do a nice job on that front. The fielding independence of 367 compared to a 435 ERA, and he's given up two runs or fewer in three out of his last five starts. So that is something very encouraging for him. You take a look at what Detmers has been able to do at home thus far this season as he has had some funky splits. He's been significantly better there. 363 home area compared to a 549 ERA on the road. Meanwhile, for Luis Castillo, he had a miserable start to the season on the road. Meanwhile, he was just flat out dominating at home. Feels like he's really been able to iron things out and he comes in in relatively good form, giving up three runs or fear at each out of his last five starts. So that is something that you do like to see. He's given up a combined eight runs over the course of those last five starts overall as well. Some of the competition has been a little bit lesser, but in there was a road start against the Houston Astros in which he was able to go seven scoreless. So you do like to see that. And for Luis Castillo, he's done a great job of being able to shape up with regards to the walks. 2.3 walks to 10.2 strikeouts for nine innings. Got a 2.88 ERA now. The fielding independent is a little bit north of a 3.5, so that is a little bit of an issue as he's been giving up 1.3 home runs per nine innings. But as we know, this is an LA Angels team that is really mixing and matching with regards to their lineup. They pick up at the trade deadline CJ Crone along with Randall Gritchick, and I actually really like that pickup of Randall Gritchick, one of the more underrated hitters that you're going to find in the big leagues. He's been hanging darn near 300, was a little bit banged up towards the beginning part of the season, but I mean, we've seen the Rockies lineup without him versus with him, and boy, yeah, they are not doing a great job there. Shoyotani is right now leading the big leagues in home runs, 39 bombs, hitting above a 300, but you're dealing with Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, along with Brandon Drury currently being on the injured list. That's been an issue, but I mean, they still find a way to be able to move the line. Hunter Renfro hitting about a 250, 17 home runs. You've been able to have Mickey Moniak hit above a 300. He's been able to give you a little bit of pop as well. And then for the Seattle Mariners, you've got the boom squad on the scene with Enyuhinjo Suarez, Oscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez all entering into Thursday with between 15 and 17 home runs. Problem has been batting average there, bottom four team in the American League in terms of batting average as you've got out of every one that was in the starting lineup yesterday. One guy hitting above a 260. And that was a gentleman with 26 at-bats as far this season. That'd be Cade Marlowe, a young guy that they're really going to be looking to. If you take him out of the fold, you had two guys that were hitting above a 234. So that's a little bit of an issue. But for the Seattle Mariners, they've actually been able to do one of the best jobs with their bullpen thus far this season. They did trade away Paul Seawald at the trade deadline. So that could be something that rears its ugly head moving forward. But for the Seattle Mariners entering into Thursday, number two in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA, the likes of Andres Moon. Munoz, Taylor Sacato, Isaiah Campbell, Matt Brash, Justin Topa. They've all been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Meanwhile, for the LA Angels, overall this season, they've been ranking in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. It's been improving.
struggling recently ever since Matt Moore has gotten the, off the injured list. He and Carlos Aceves have been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. He's been able to get some good production as well out of Jose Soriano. He's been able to give you a three ERA. Ronaldo Lopez, after a brutal start to the season for the White Sox, they acquired him. That should be a little bit of help for the team, but all in all, it has been a bullpen that has been not great with the likes of Aaron Loop giving you a five ERA. Tucker Davidson is no longer off on the team. He was not giving you a lot of help as well, so I do think that that is going to be a bit of an issue, and I think that pitching reigns supreme for the Seattle Mariners in this ordeal. Did some I told at an 8.1. If you're between an 8 and an 8.5, personally, I would look at an 8.5 under rather than an 8 over, so we shall see what we get in the AM, but my preference is an 8.5 under, but with the Seattle Mariners, one delay up to a minus 132 on that money line. 921-922 on the main board. The KSC Royals sit throw at face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Nola goes for the Phillies, and Jordan Lyles is on the bump for Kansas City. Kansas City, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. You're going to be fighting them as a big plus money underdog. Seeing as high as a plus 202, as low as plus $2. Meanwhile, the Phillies, and between minus 225 and minus 245 is your number there. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, of the Philadelphia Phillies, anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120 is what you're laying, laying a run and a half there. And the total on this game, it is nine. With the over, anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. And with the Phillies, that set the minus 258 on the money line. Was willing to go up to a minus 139 with regards to the run line. And we cheer verily for the fact that the Royals got Jordan Lyles a win in his last start. The team has still won just two Jordan Lyles starts this far this season. And Jordan Lyles has not pitched very well to save the least. He has given up three plus runs and I believe now all but four of his starts this far this season. He is rocking an ERA that is hovering right in the neighborhood of 615. Now, the fielding independent indicates he's gotten a little bit unlucky. It's more around a 535, but he's giving up 1.8 home runs per nine innings. He's getting fear that six and a half strikeouts per nine innings has just been an almighty mess for him. And the ERA, that jumps to north of seven on the road. Meanwhile, for Aaron Nola, he just has not been able to put it together all season long, but has been remarkably better at home rather than on the road. 327 home ERA compared to a 515 ERA on the road. At home, he's giving up about one home run per nine innings on the road, more like 1.8. Nine home runs per nine innings with the command being there in both locations for Aaron Nola. He's giving up fewer than two and a half walks per nine innings. Fielding dependent is a little bit lower than his 443 ERA. And I was mentioning this a little bit before with Jared Smith. You've got a Philadelphia Phillies team that's really been able to pick it up with regards to their bullpen. As this punch has ranked sixth in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA over the last three days. You've had Craig Kimbrell be a little bit up and down for the team, but you know what? He's done a solid job thus far this season as Andrew Vasquez currently being on the injured list. That hurts the team. And if you're really looking at the Albatross, Gregory Soto just has not lived up to his billing thus far this season. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been a little bit banged up, but Jeff Hoffman has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Love the way that he's been able to perform it. For the Kansas City Royals, they traded away a lot of their bullpen pieces, including Roald Chapman and Scott Barlow, which means you've got Taylor Clark giving you his lovely 6 ERA. You don't even have Jose Cuas, who I didn't think was very good to start with, but... Better than what you're trotting out there right now with the likes of John Heasley and company. This Royals team is third worst in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Less than savory there. We've got a Royals team that's currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of on-base percentage and in terms of runs per game. They were able to get up some runs in that series against the New York Mets, but that is a helpless New York Mets team at this point. And for the Royals, you've got two guys that are currently active that are giving you north of eight home runs. Bobby Witt Jr., Salvador Perez. They combined 36 home runs between the two of them. And for what he's been able to give you north of 30 stolen bases. He's hitting about a 270. You like to see that. Michael Garcia, he's been able to about a 285. And Freddie Fermin, when he's been in the fold, that he's been in and out pretty much throughout the entirety of the season. He's hitting darn near 300, but 
got the likes of Michael Massey, Selmon Taylor, Nate Eaton, MJ Melendez. These guys sitting at 220 or lower other than Lopez. All these guys giving you a sub-290 on base percentage as well. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, you could use a little bit more balance with regards to this lineup. Kyle Schwarber is the only guy that's really been able to give you north of 15 home runs as far this season. As he's been able to do a nice job supplying 27 home runs. The imbalance of power is a big reason why they have been surrounding quite a few men on base. As, I mean, you've had uh, Bryce Harper just not be able to go yard all season long. He's only been able to supply five home runs to this point, but it's giving you right around about a 380 on base. Trey Turner's having a miserable season right now, and you expect a little bit more out of J.J. Ryumuto is sitting about a 245, but Bryson Sott is sitting at 300. Nick Cassianos, he's been in a funk, but he was able to hit that big home run against the Miami Marlins, I believe, on Tuesday. Brandon Marsh has been able to about a 280 as well. I do think that the Phillies should be able to go out there, dominate a Kansas City Royals team that just has not been able to win. And Jordan Lyles starts all season long. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 138 or so on this Phillies run line. And did something I told it at 8.9 as I do think that the Phillies do a nice job locking up a Royals offense that is going to be coming back down to earth in this series. And for the Phillies, they've had a little bit of a tough time scoring from time to time as well with the imbalance of power in their lineup. So, looking at the 9-under and the Phillies run line, 9.43, 9.44 on the betting board. The New York Mets, they throw other facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Craig is on the bump for Baltimore. Meanwhile, David Peterson, no relation, is on the bump for the Metropolitans. And with the Mets, and we find them as a pretty sizable underdog. You're going to be getting them between about plus 130 to seeing as high as a plus 144. Meanwhile, on the Orioles, they are anywhere between minus 150 to minus 158 favorites. Total on this game is 9, seeing the over at a minus 115 and the under at a minus 105. And with the total, I did set my total at 9.6. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. David Peterson has been looking a little bit better and sort of his random bullpen appearances, but I've noted this with David Peterson. Whenever you just have him going from starter to bullpen, starter to bullpen, it really does mess with him. And it's hard for really any pitcher when you've got him just sort of going from being a long guy to being a starter to going out of the bullpen, being a one-inning guy. So he's got no rhythm whatsoever. And it's been a miserable year for him. And a really unlucky one as well. 492 year compared to a 431 fielding dependent. But your fielding dependent is sort of one and a half points lower than your ERA. You know that you're getting the short end of the stick. He's been able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but just has been allowing a lot of contact in general. His most recent bullpen appearances here in the month of July is actually been able to do a very solid job, but this is a different ball of wax going up against a Baltimore Orioles team that ranks in the top eight. In terms of runs per game, you've got a Orioles team that's been doing a tremendous job with their righty and lefty splits as they don't necessarily have that one guy out there that is necessarily striking fear in you, but you've got Anthony Santander has been able to give you right around 18 to 19 home runs this far this season. He has been tremendous in this lineup. If you take out the fact that he was dealing with a little bit of a back issue towards the beginning part of the season, he's sitting north of a 280 really since the beginning of the month of May. Austin to say his kid has been able to 285 and with the Orioles, you don't necessarily have that one supreme guy that is that one tremendous hitter, Adelie Rushman. He's been able to give you about a 375 on base, but what I notice is that oftentimes hitters 3 through 8 in the lineup, they all have between about a 315 to about a 340 on base with maybe one or two guys below that line. Gunnar Anderson, he's been able to do a nice job with his power as well. He's up to 18 home runs thus far this season. Ryan Mountcastle, he was able to hit two home runs in that series against the Toronto Blue Jays. So, you've got a very well-rounded lineup with the Orioles. Now, I will say with the Orioles, it is a bit of a top-heavy bullpen as you've got Felix Batista, Junior Canal, both giving you a sub-two ERA. Mike Bauman from there, 
He's been able to give you a few solid innings along with Danny Colum, but then you've got these schlubs like Shintaro Fujinami, Joey Crebiel is not a guy that I have a lot of faith in. Cino Perez has had a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, for the Mets, I mean, this whole bullpen just stinks. They trade away David Robertson. Robertson has been stinking up the joint with the Miami Marlins. The entirety of the Mets trying to fill his spots has been stinking up the joint. Not great there. Adam Adamino, Phil Bickford, Reed Garrett. These guys are not the answer for you. Brooks Raley is really the only trustworthy guy that you've got for a Mets bullpen that's currently in the bottom six in the big leagues with regards to ERA. And for the Mets, this is at this point an all-or-nothing offense. After they trade away the likes of Mark Cannon and company, you got pop guys as the two Franciscos, Francisco Glendor, Francisco Alvarez. They both have between 21 and 22 home runs. They're both hitting about a 235. Lindor's moving line a little bit with the 325 on base, but Alvarez doesn't really draw a lot of walks. Pete Alonso, he's been not really giving you a lot of average recently, but he's up to 31 home runs as far this season. Brandon Nimmo has done a good job being able to get on base, 353 on base, 15 home runs. Jeff McNeil's been in and out of the full day. He's down to hitting about a 250 as well, but you just expected a little bit more out of some of these young guys like Batty is hitting about a 225. Tommy Pham has been up and down all season long. You never know what you're going to be able to get out of Daniel Vogel back when he's in the lineup as well. So you've got a lot of issues there. And then for Dean Kramer, it's not like he's been laying the world on fire as well. He's giving up quite a bit of hard contact, though I will say the strikeout numbers are up from past season as well. For Mr. Kramer, he has been able to give you right in the neighborhood about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He is giving up north of 1.7 home runs for nine innings and has actually been much worse at home than he has been on the road. 551 home ERA compared to a 370 ERA on the road at home. He is giving up north of two home runs per nine innings, but has been able to do a good job of being able to keep the walks down. I think that Peterson and Kramer both surrender quite a few runs, but I do think that the Orioles in a high-scoring game, they're going to be able to get it done, and they really knife into a bullpen that at this point is deplorable. I was willing to take a plus 118 or higher with regards to that Orioles run line. Currently find that anywhere between plus 125 to a plus 130. Set the money line more around a minus 158. So, looking at Orioles run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this sign over. 925-926 on the bank, where the Miami Marlins sit third face-off against the Walker Texas Rangers. As Jordan Montgomery is going to be on the bump for Texas. Ace Lucizardo is on the bump for the Fish. And the Fish, they do find themselves as an underdog. You're going to be getting them anywhere in the neighborhood about a plus 130 to a plus 125. Meanwhile, between minus 135 to as high as a minus 150 is your number on the Texas Rangers. A-N-F is the total. The over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And this is a total I set at an 8.3. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with the Miami Marlins since the all-star break. They are a bottom three team in the big leagues with regards to runs per game, and they are dead last with regards to home runs hit ever since the all-star break in the National League. So that's a little bit less than savory. You've had Ori Solaire be able to do a nice job going yard. He's been able to crank out north of 24 home runs thus far this season. And they are getting Jad Shizzlin back for both. He was able to hit a home run in that series against the Philadelphia Phillies. That's a little bit of something encouraging for this bunch as well. But I do think that it is going to be a little bit of a struggle against a guy in Jordan Montgomery who he gets out of St. Louis. And in the back half of his tenure with St. Louis, he was able to do a relatively solid job. He did have one bad start against the Chicago Cubs where he got lit up like a Christmas tree. He gave up seven runs in that one. But after a little bit of a hiccup towards the beginning part of the season, Jordan Montgomery was really able to do a nice job of being able to pick things up as you take a look at things really since the beginning of the month of June. 
if you date it back from June 9th on, he was really able to find his form. 245 ERA in his last nine starts, giving up four home runs over the course of 55 innings. He's able to give you a little bit north of eight strike cuts per nine innings. Gives up about two and a half walks per nine innings. Very rock solid starter. Now, for the Texas Rangers, if you look at the bullpen overall for the season, they rank in the bottom 10 in terms of ERA, but you've got the likes of Jose Leclerc, Brock Burke, Roldis Chapman being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Will Smith has been able to do a relatively solid job at the closer spot as well. Meanwhile, you've got a Ireland's bullpen that you thought they were upgrading with David Robertson. He has not looked great in his first few appearances, to say the least. And for Ace Luis Cesardo, I do have some issues with him as well because for Ace Luis Cesardo, he has really been getting lit up on the road. And I do think that a little bit of it might be bad luck because overall for the season, Ace Luis Cesardo has done a nice job being able to get you right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings and has really worked on the walks. He's down to right around two and a half walks per nine innings, but 264 home ERA, 463 ERA on the road as he gives up the deep ball when he's on the road, about 1.35 home runs per nine innings. That's something that you don't like to see. And for the Miami Marlins, they're a top six team with regards to batting average. Luis Arias continues to hit above a 375. You've been able to have John Birdie in that neighborhood, about a 300 as well. Someone like a Dane Myers who has come up to the big leagues. He's been able to do a nice job as well. But for the Texas Rangers, they're just able to blow them out of the water because along with having a lineup that typically you have right around seven guys hitting above a 270 with regards to your starting nine, you have darn near all these guys being able to give you a double-figure amount of homers as well. As you've right now got eight separate guys that will be able to give you at least 11 home runs thus far this season. And every single one of them is hitting above a 261, and all but one of them is hitting above 270. The only guy that's not hitting above 270, Adolis Garcia, leads the way with 26 home runs. Corey Seager's now off the injured list. He's back with his 400 on base. Marcus Simeon, he's been able to give you 17 bombs. He's giving you about a 350 on base. You go up against righties. You go up against lefties. They're able to provide against both of them. Nathaniel Lowe has just been a steady Eddie good hitter for the team as well. I think that the debut of Jordan Montgomery is going to be going rock solid in this one. And I flat out just don't think that the Miami Marlins are going to hold up their end of the bargain with regards to this total. I do think that for Lazaro, he's going to be a little bit better with regards to some of his pitching when he is on the road. I did something I told him an 8.3. I think that he does an okay job holding down this Rangers lineup. So going to be taking a look at the under with the Rangers. I was willing to take a run line of a plus 130 or higher. I set the minus 152 on the money line. Currently, I'm seeing as high as a plus 140-ish with regards to this run line. So take a look at that Rangers run line and this 8.5 under. And we wrap things up to 9.47, on the main board. The Minnesota Twins, a play OC, Arizona Diamond back says Merrill Kelly is on the bump for the Saints and Bailey Ober is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota finds themselves as favorites as you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 125 to a minus 135 with the Saints. They're anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. Total on this game is 8.5 with the over, it is minus 105, and the under is minus 115. And I did something I told it an 8.4. I'm going to be looking at the under for Bailey over. He has given up three runs or fewer in all but two of his starts as far as the season. He is coming off of a disaster against the Kansas City Royals. I remember writing up the under for DK Network, one of my few losses I've had over the last few weeks. A little bit salty there, but I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back from Bailey over. He was pitching above his skis a little bit prior to that start, and there might be a little bit more regression coming for Bailey over. He's been giving him about eight and a half strikeouts and 1.6 walks per nine innings, so he does a good job of not beating himself. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to blow you away, though. 319 ERA compared to a 376 fielding independent, but with that said, you do have a guy in Merrill Kelly that throughout his career, he's always had an ERA that's about a point higher when he is on the road rather than when he is at home. We've seen a little bit of reversal thus far this season. Merrill Kelly coming off the injured list is First few starts, not too bad. 11 innings, giving up four runs against the St. Louis Cardinals and the Seattle Mariners at home. 
Not going to say that he lit the world on fire, but you know what? Looks like he's back to the Merrill Kelly of old. He's very similar to our good friend in Bailey Ober. He's been able to upgrade the strikeouts this year for his career. He's giving you right around eight strikeouts per nine innings this year. It's been more like 9.3 strikeouts per nine innings. Has seen a little bit of uptick with the walks, about three and a half walks per nine innings, but 381 fielding independent compared to 323 ERA. That is pretty much right on par with Bailey Ober, but for the Minnesota Twins, I do feel like this bullpen is a tad bit better. They ship off Ori Lopez, and they bring in Dylan Floro. They're trying to just be able to get as much out of him as humanly possible. Meanwhile, Yohan Duran, Jordan Balazovic throw in there as well. Emilio Pagan, these are guys who have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA for a Minnesota Twins team that they currently rank 12th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And the Diamondbacks, that has been their issue. They have just not been getting in the bullpen. You do have Paul Seawald, who's been able to be very solid the last few years as a closer. They picked him up at the trade deadline from Seattle. They did jump away Andrew Chafin, who just really went down the toilet bowl over the last few weeks. You've got Scott McGough, who's been having his issues as well. Kyle Nelson has been one of the biggest constants with regards to this Arizona Diamondbacks team. And then if you do take a look at the Diamondbacks offense, it's been a bunch of, has had a nice quartet of Lourdes Gurriel, Kitel Marte, Christian Walker, Corbin Carroll. With Walker and Carroll, a combined 43 home runs, Carroll's been able to give you about 35 stolen bases at a 355 on base. Walker more around about a 340 on base. And for Kitel Marte, he's the main average guy. 290 batting average, nearly a 370 on base. Lourdes Gurriel has fallen out some tough times recently, barely hitting above 200 of the last 35 days. And it is a little bit more of a top heavy lineup. Alec Thomas has been a bit up and down, though. Jake McCarthy, when he's gotten that bat, he's been able to get on base and has been able to swipe 23 bags himself. Emmanuel Rivera moves the line, but this has been a Diamondbacks lineup that has overachieved all season long. And for the Minnesota Twins, it's very clear what they're looking to do. They're looking to go sort of batting average power, batting average power. They've got five guys who will be able to give you north of 12 home runs as far as the season. Michael A. Taylor, Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo, Max Kepler, Carlos Correa. Every one of these guys has a sub-300 on base. Meanwhile, you've got Edouard Julien, 10 home runs, 375 on base. Matt Wallner, about a 385 on base. I will say he's providing some pop as well. Six home runs in his first 68 at-bats. He's been able to breathe a little bit of life into this team. Donovan Solano's giving you a 370 on base. Ryan Jeffers, about a 385 on base as well. So it's been intriguing to take a look at the Twins. They had about 20 points higher when they're at home rather than on the road. As the Twins, they just have not been able to get anything going on the road whatsoever. And I do think that Merrill Kelly is starting to return to form. For Bailey Ober, I do think that there's a little bit of regression here. I think that both of these teams are going to struggle a little bit with regards to their offense, but I give a very, very slight edge to Merrill Kelly. But overall, I do think that that bullpen should make the Minnesota Twins a very slight favorite, but getting a plus 115 or higher, going to be taking a look at the Diamondbacks. I set my money line at a minus 114, so take a look at plus 115 or better with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and take a look at this 8.5 under, and that will wrap things up. For the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa family of podcasts, if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters DM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. A big thanks to Jared Smith, who does amazing work here at VSIN. Live on the line so much more. He joined me in the last segment, coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.